Today's scripture reading comes from John 21, 1-22. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of the fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, but about a hundred yards far off. Then, when they got out of the island, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although they were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and others will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, Follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper, and he said to the Lord, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he, t- he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Good morning, my name is Jordan Gonzalez. Uh, I'm a pastor in training here at The Way. And this week we are currently in a series titled, Oh Anxious Hearts. 
And this week specifically, we'll be looking at how Jesus is a wonderful counselor and how he addresses, engages, and comforts and counsels our anxious hearts. As I was preparing, I, I literally could have picked any gospel story in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John where Jesus is interacting with people. And what we see consistent in John 21 this morning is consistent in every passage that we see Jesus interacting, self-revealing himself to others. And it almost comes off as simple. If you read John 21 and think about it, how does this really engage our, our anxious hearts? I mean, the human heart and mind is so complex and nuanced, right? St. Jerome, though, he wrote this, and I think it's so true of the Gospels, it's so true of the entire scriptures, but it's true of our text this morning. St. Jerome said, Jesus' self-revelation on earth in the Holy Scriptures is a pool that is deep enough for scholars to swim in without ever touching the bottom, yet shallow enough for children to wade in and not drown. And so I think a lot of times we can take scriptures and we can make it really simple and be like, don't be anxious, trust in Jesus. Um, but what we actually see of Jesus in the text is there's so much depth. And, and um, I think Jesus addresses our anxious hearts in a way that brings such hope and peace. But we can also learn from Jesus on how to counsel our friends and family um, and others when, when they're anxious. So um, I think this series has been really timely. Uh, anxiety is a, at an all-time high. There's a overheard in LA post that said, I finally feel normal. The anxiety of the rest of the world has caught up to mine. And uh, a pandemic, racial unrest, the financial situation of our economy and individual bank accounts, um, the uncertainty of when will things be back to normal. Um, there's distance learning. Some of you are so anxious about trying to figure out how to make this work. This is wonky system that, I mean, learning on a screen all day when you, and you spend most of your life anxious about giving your kids too much screen time anyway. And so there's a lot of anxiety right now. And I know as I've heard these sermons, it's, it's helped me realize two things. One, that I'm actually way more anxious than I care to admit. And so it's helpful to think about what's causing my anxiety and what can I do about it. But, but two, it's also causing a lot of hope and a lot of peace in, in, in a time when uh, I'm more anxious than, than normal. But here's the conversation that happens. So I hear this sermon on Sunday morning. I'm encouraged. My heart is lifted up. I, my head is lifted up. I, I, I experience that peace and there's that joy from singing and worshiping with you even though we're online. And then a few hours later, or a few days later, um, all the cares of the week, the work deadlines, the pressures of getting everything done, um, my own failings and the things I've done that make me feel guilt and shame, they all come to bear. And this is the conversation I have. I'm anxious, but Jordan, you're better than that. You don't need to be anxious. And then 
what happens is, is I say, okay, I'm anxious, so I just need to do more. Maybe if I just slept a little bit longer, maybe if I just ate healthier, maybe if I just woke up earlier or put in a few more extra hours, or maybe if I read my Bible more and pray, then I'll be less anxious. And so I go through these, I know I, I should not be anxious, but I shouldn't need this. I should trust in Jesus, but, and Christian or not, I mean, I think we, I take anxiety and I use it as a litmus, te litmus test for how strong I am. And, um, creates a cycle of more anxiety. Because then I'm anxious about, oh, I, I didn't eat the right things yesterday. Or I'm anxious about, I worked too much and now I have to do this, this, and this at home. Or vice versa, right? And so it's a cycle of anxiety and, and it, it doesn't end. But here, here's the good news this morning from John 21 and from all of scriptures really. But our, in Jesus, our anxiety and the root causes of our anxiety, they're not attached to his abundant provision or his acceptance, his approval, or his assurance um, of us. So our anxiety, including the things that cause our anxiety, they're not attached to his provision. They're not attached to his acceptance and his approval. And they're not attached to our assurance in Jesus. And to our anxious hearts, in John 21, Jesus says, come, have breakfast. And so I'm going to, we're going to look at this text and we're going to look at the, the, his invite, the meal in the beginning of a new day. And I think our anxious hearts will find much encouragement and hope and even peace. And so um, first, let's look at the invite. So in John 21, Jesus appears to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. This is the third time he's appeared to them. And I always think of, Jesus, like, I want to be, I remember, I don't know if this was junior high or somewhere, but I heard a sermon or something, and I got this idea in Christianity that um, it was always like, if Jesus shows up in your room tomorrow night, what will he find? Or if Jesus sees you at school, what's he going to see? And there is this fear that, oh my gosh, Jesus is going to show up and he's going to get me. He's going to catch me um, in the act of something evil, and he's not going to be happy with me. So I have no idea where the idea came from, but I just remember hearing that. And it's probably um, probably my junior high youth pastor trying to scare me from looking at something inappropriate as a, as a high school um, boy. But anyway, this is what I love about the text. And, and I can't think of, I think of no text where Jesus doesn't show up in this way, but he always shows up when, when we're struggling. So in this text, they're fishing. These are expert fishermen and they've caught nothing. And they're failing at something they're pretty proficient at. And so I always think like Jesus is going to show up under the steeple on Sunday morning during worship when my hands are raised. Or I think that he's going to show up once I have everything in order. Or if he shows up, I better have everything in order. And so that causes me a lot of anxiety a lot of times. But what we see in this text is that Jesus doesn't show up in the, in the, in the temple. He doesn't show up. Um, when the disciples are having a lot of success, he shows up in, in their struggle and their failure. 
And I think that's really beautiful. Um, and, and so Jesus always shows up and it's not in the steeple. It's, it's often at your workplace or uh, where, where these guys were working and catching fish. It's often where you, where you don't expect it. And it's also often when you're struggling. And I think that's encouragement. And kind of going with this idea where I always thought like Jesus is going to get me. When, when I read the, the Sermon on the Mount in different texts, I always thought like Jesus saying, do not be anxious. Do you not believe me? But I don't think that's his tone. And in and, and, and John 21, there's one word that gives me that. that that's, not, that's not his tone. When Jesus shows up, he says, children. Hey, children, do you have any fish? And so rather than being this harsh man who's, who's going to hang it over our heads and say, hey, you, you're, not, you're not measuring up, you're failing. Jesus, like a kind and loving father, says, hey, don't be anxious. I love you, and I know it's going to wreak havoc in your life. And so here in John 21, these, these, these disciples are struggling. They didn't know it was Jesus. Day was breaking. They'd been out there all night, and he says, children. Children, do you, do you have any fish? And so remember that he's a loving father and he's not trying to catch you in the act. He's not trying to um, kick you when you're down. That's not how Jesus works. And we see that in every text in, in the Gospels. And, and so here's the other thing about his invite. Um, who, who does he invite? He invites Simon Peter, Nathaniel, Thomas, the sons of Zebedee and the other disciples. And so um, at this point, if I were them, I feel so much anxiety. I mean, Simon Peter, he um, he just denied Jesus three times and then abandoned him when Jesus needed him most. And this is the same same guy who, who said, I, I will never leave you, Jesus, even until the death. And we all know what happens. Um, the night when, when um, Jesus is brought to trial, there's a fire and uh, they ask him, aren't you the guy who says, Jesus, nope. Not a good track record. And I don't know about you, but if uh, if I was going to hire him to to start the church of Jesus, I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe not, right? There was Thomas. Um, Thomas was a doubter. He heard about the resurrection and was like, no way. I, I, I don't believe it. I got to see this for, for real. And so and throughout history, we've called him Doubting Thomas. Um, not, the, not the adjective you want describing you, right? Then Nathaniel of Cana. Uh, Nathaniel was a mocker, when, or, and he was a cynic. When, when he met Jesus early on in the Gospels, he said, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and then we had the sons of Zebedee. And these, these, they wanted to sit the right hand and the left hand of the father. And they had their mom ask Jesus. And then... Jesus asked them, are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? And they said, we are. We are able. And so we see arrogance and overconfidence. Um, and then all of them, he, John, they all bailed and scattered when, when, um, when Jesus was crucified. So not a good track record, but this is exactly who Jesus comes up with. So if you've ever doubted, you've ever mocked, if you're a cynic, if you're skeptical, if you're uh, a person with a bad track record like me, then Jesus invites you. And that's so, so encouraging. And so Jesus invites and accepts the anxious, the mockers, the doubters, the deniers, and those who question, and those of us with a bad track record. And I'm pretty sure that 
based off scripture and based off um, my own heart and experience and those of you I know, um, that's all of us. And so that's who Jesus invites to breakfast. So let's look at the breakfast. Um, They, they, they answer Jesus' question. No, we don't have any fish. And then he says, cast a net on the right side of the boat. You'll find some. So they do it. And they're not able to haul in all the fish that they catch. And so the nets are full. The boat, literally boat loads of fish. And what happens is they immediately recognize. John John says to Peter, it's the Lord. That's the Lord. Because they, they couldn't see him probably. I mean, he's far off. And I don't think they had, um, you know, Zoom on their iPhones or anything like that or maybe even telescopes that were that advanced. So they, they recognize based off of his provision that it's the Lord. And I think this is a really important lesson for us. We have these pro fishermen who are failing at something they're professionals at. And then Jesus shows up and then they re- recognize him with his provision. And so here's a question that this, this brings for us this morning that I think is so important. Who controls what we think we can control? And I think this is important for our anxiety. So let me say it again. Who controls what we think we can control? When we realize that it's Jesus who enables us to do everything that is in our realm of influence and power and control, um, it causes us to say, hey, it's the Lord. And that causes gratitude. And as we've looked at in this series, gratitude is one of the number one ways that we can we can start to quell that anxiety that we feel. When we're grateful to God. And, and this is not a, like over-spiritualized gratitude. Like They're not like, oh God, thank you for systematic theology. Thank you for the seminaries and the books. I mean, those things are great. And if we really thought about it, we will, we will find gratitude from from all the work that people have done in, in, uh, around the Holy Scriptures. But it's just fish, and they're they're excited about it, and they're like, "It's the Lord," and they they recognize His provision. Um, they recognize Him because of His provision, and so, um, who is it that allowed you to wake up this morning? Who is it that allows these words to come out of my mouth right now? Uh, for for those of us who, who are, are pretty well off and, and we have good jobs and, and we're employed right now and um, a lot of times I know I think like wow I earned all this like all the hours I put in all the time all the degrees I earned I, I earned this like I'm pretty amazing and what I forget is that it's God who enabled me to do these things it's God who put me in in the home where I was able to grow up and experience the things I experienced. It was God who um, enabled me to think and to learn and to speak. It was God who enabled me to do the things that um, I think I can control. And I think that's so important for our anxiety because a lot of times when we're anxious, I mean, we're, we, we start looking for things that we could control, but even those things, it's, it's God who provided them. And I think that's so important. And so, for our anxious hearts this morning, who's who, who's really in control? Like who's in control of that last beat of your heart? Not you or me. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. 
and that should cause us great gratitude. Um, and, and I love that, that after this, when they get off onto the shore, they're dragging the nets and they saw a charcoal, a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And then Jesus says to them something really cool. He says, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. And so he provides the fish, but then he invites them to bring it and he invites them to partake and he gives them credit for catching the fish, which is so beautiful. And so even though he's the one who enables all of the things that we can do, he enables us to breathe and live and, and work and do a lot of really cool things. Um, he still gives us credit and that's wild. And it's, 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 it's really beautiful. Um, and I, I love this picture of barbecue. You know, I'd imagine if Jesus showed up today and he was, he was going to have me over for a meal, I would imagine, uh, two-hour prayer service um, where I'm just like, I can't focus anymore because I'm hungry. And I would imagine a, a five-point sermon on whatever Jesus want to talk about. But that's not what we see in the text. They're, they're literally working and dragging uh, the fish and then he already has the grill going and there's fish and bread on it. And, they, and he's like, come and eat. And so I think this is a beautiful picture that his, he meets our physical needs first. And so for those of you who are anxious, when I'm anxious, I need to remember that, that Jesus meets our needs in a very physical sense first. And so if if I'm anxious, it, it, it helps to stop and think, look how God has provided for me. Man, the Lord has, has been, been present. He's provided. But if you're, your friend's anxious, um, if others are anxious, usually what I do is I take on the anxiety of my friend. And then I become anxious that they're anxious and it's this ugly cycle. But what if I, I just learn from my, 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 my heavenly father and said, okay, I'm going to provide for their physical needs. What do they need right now? Uh, how much better my friends would be? How much better my family would be off if I, if, if I just stopped and thought like that, right? And I think this is an embodiment of Jesus' sermon. So Jesus does preach, do not be anxious. And we see that in Luke 12. It's, it's in the e bulletin for you. But um, Jesus embodies what he preaches. And this is an embodiment here, this meal, fish cooking the bread. And it's an embodiment of consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And so Jesus doesn't just preach it. That's how he always interacts with us. And he provides in a very physical sense. And he says, come have breakfast. And he took the bread and gave it to them and the fish. And I, I imagine smiles and laughter. And I imagine Jesus showing them his grilling techniques and how he got this charcoal fire together. And there was probably some pretty amazing fish and probably some pretty uh, stellar bread. Which is an interesting meal. I mean, all throughout scriptures, we see this idea of bread and fish, bread and fish. And uh, I, I can't help but think that the disciples were, were reminded of, of when Jesus fed the 5,000 or when he fed the 4,000. And it's funny because over and over and over again throughout the scriptures, um, there's this, this worry about what are we going to eat? And there's this anxiety around, wait, there's only two bread or there's only a, a little bit of bread and only a little bit of fish. How are we going to feed these people? And then even after that, after the Jesus fed the 5,000, 4,000, there's, there's this one scene in the Gospels where they're on this boat and Jesus says, hey, beware the leaven of the Pharisees. And they're like, 
You talking about bread? We forgot to bring the bread. Where's the bread? Did you bring? <laughs> and so over and over and over again, we see this idea of bread and fish and in God's provision. And even in the Old Testament, um, the bread from heaven, the, the manna that, that God provided for Moses and, and his people. And so it's this beautiful picture that God provides. God provides and he provides in a very physical way. But still, over and over and over again, our anxious hearts and minds forget. And we're forget. We're prone to forget and forget and forget. I have to imagine that, that night when they were fishing and they were, they were being unsuccessful and didn't have uh, any, any success catching fish, that they were worried, like, how are we going to eat? We're hungry. We're hungry. And rather than showing up and saying, you silly disciples, you forget all the time. What's your deal? Like, have you not seen? Have you not heard who I am? Um, Jesus just says, here's some bread. Let's have a meal together. And um, Jesus took the bread and gave it to them. That probably called to mind the Last Supper when Jesus said, hey, this is my bread broken for you. Take eat. And so there's this idea of bread and, and fish that we see. And I think it's a physical provision from God. But it's also this reminder that God always provides. And he's always providing. He's always going to provide. And so that calms my anxious heart for sure. And then I just think the fact that they're eating a meal on their last day with Jesus, I think that calls to mind for me the, the marriage supper of the lamb. Like the, the story ends with a meal. It begins with meals, but it ends with a meal too. And I think that's encouragement for us. Um, so after breakfast, we see the beginning of a new day. We see Jesus and Peter. So it says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said, said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he repeats it three times. He says, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. And so I, I've heard different people talk about what, what those little phrases meant. And um, But for our anxious hearts this morning, I think there's some really beautiful truths here. So this is the undoing of Peter's wrongdoing, or the undoing of Peter's denial and the renewal of his call. And if I were Peter, when Jesus looked over to me after, after eating and said, Hey, Simon, my anxiety is going to flare up. What's he going to say to me? This is it. I know it. He's going to say, I told you so. I told you you would deny me. He doesn't say that, though. He says, Simon, son of John. Um, there's been a lot of talk about what, why did he Simon, son of John? But I think it's really beautiful because the first time you met him, that's, that's who Simon was. It's, so, so this is almost like this restart. It's in tune day for Peter. And Jesus is starting fresh with him. And he's restoring him. And he... Um, He's undoing Peter's denial. And so he repeats it third time. The third time, Simon, son, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you, Jesus said to him. So I think there's a couple of things for us that, that's so important here. Um, Jesus says in the very first words he said to Peter, he says it again right here. He says, follow me. And so in some sense, this is a reversal of everything that Peter's done. And they're starting over again. But on a second sense, I think it's interesting that he repeats the phrases. And he repeats the questions over and over again. Um, or three times. Three times is really appropriate for Peter. But I think repeating, Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. Yeah, I love you. 
And Jesus calling him, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my lambs. There's something that happens when the truth is repeated over and over again. As we looked at earlier in this sermon series, when we speak the truth to, the truth to our hearts over and over again, um, we begin to believe those truths. And so I have to imagine as Jesus repeated this question over and over again, it wasn't him hanging over Peter's head and like, I told you, like, you need to tell me three times to prove it to me. No, I think it was, you need to hear this over and over again. What's true? What's true, Peter? And it wasn't, it wasn't, do you love me? Yeah, Lord, I messed up. I know I shouldn't have. No, no, he's like, I, I love you. I love you. And it grieves his heart. There was this one instance where um, I was asked to do communion last minute. And I love it. And I miss it where I just look into your eyes and I get to say the words of Jesus to you. And um, I had I had a, a hellish week. And I was asked last minute to fill in. And so I said, yeah. And I'm, I'm there holding the elements and I'm looking into many of your eyes probably and saying taste and see that the Lord is good and Jesus you have forgiveness taste and see that the Lord is good and Jesus you you have forgiveness and I would, I would say your names and over and over again and what happened was the more I repeated it the more my heart was lifted up and the more I started to believe and understand the goodness of God and so it's interesting when we repeat and speak the truth to ourselves over and over again, our hearts begin to believe and, and our, our anxiety is quelled. And we, we know when Jesus was true of us. And so that's one of the important things that we need to take away from this text. Like Jesus isn't scolding Peter. Um, he's rebuking him lovingly, but by reminding him what's true. And in Jesus, what's true is that Peter's loved, and Peter loves Jesus. And yes, he's failed, but God's calling him. And, it, and what Peter has done doesn't change that. And so I think that's really, really beautiful that, that he repeats it, but then also that Jesus uses him still. I mean, we always think that if Jesus is going to use me, I have to be perfect. If Jesus is going to use me to do this, this, and this, then I have to make sure I have a great week. Even preaching, I, I had that kind of mindset. Like, I, I, I can't mess it up this week. I have to live what I preach. But the truth is, if you talk to Carrie and, and you spent time around me this week, you know that I miserably fail at this. And I was anxious and I was mean at moments. And I need to hear over and over again who I am, who, who I am in Christ. And I, I think so do you. And, and that's going to quell our anxiety for sure. Um, and then after after this repetition of feed my sheep, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. Another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And, and John says this, he said, to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And so I think on one hand, it's kind of weird. Jesus is like, hey, you're going to die. And I think only someone who's died and risen again can say that to you with confidence. Like, hey, this is the, you're going to die a pretty ugly death and it's going to it's going to suck. Um, but it's going to glorify me. And so I think the beautiful part is Peter early on in, in Jesus' ministry said, I will never leave you. I'm going to I'm going to even to the death. Well, this is Jesus saying to him. That's going to be true. You are going to finish well, Peter. You're going to finish in a way that brings me glory and honor and, and it's a, it's assurance. And so um, I'm going to use you. Yeah, 
I'm not even thinking about those things right there. Like you're going to be used to feed my sheep and you're going to die a death that honors and glorifies me. And then he says, follow me. And so he ends with what he began with. Follow me, Peter. And you would think that at this point, Peter would be like, okay, um, wow, this is awesome. Like, I'm going to follow you. But he immediately, immediately was like, what about this guy? And he points to John. And I love what Jesus, um, Jesus says, what is it to you? What is it to you if, if, if he's around until he remains until I return? And he's like, you follow me. And so I love this because on one hand, you would think, okay, that's where Peter got it. And then from this point forward, he was perfect. And he was a saint that we all know and, and read about. And just, we always say, that's Peter. I can't do what Peter did. No, but, but immediately after Jesus um, calls him again and, and gives him this new call and starts, starts over with him, um, he's looking at other people. And I think that's a great cause of many, much anxiety for a lot of us. And, and to us, Jesus said, don't, don't look to other people. Look to me. Follow you. Follow me. Um, and so for our own hearts and also for those around us, when, when we're struggling with anxiety and we're looking to other people and that's causing anxiety, um, a good thing for us to, to encourage our hearts and others to do is say, hey, don't look at them. What's going on with you? Now, this all sounds pretty good, but how can this be? So Jesus shows up at our worst moments. He invites us, bad track records and all. He, he provides us. He provides for us in abundance. He approves and accepts the work and even the provision he's enabled us to, to, to gather. He gives us credit for it. He approves of us and he assures us. And this is only possible because he is the bread. Jesus is the bread. In John, earlier in, the, in, in, in uh, the gospel, he says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may not eat of it. Or so, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And so Jesus is the bread. Everything that causes us anxiety in our lives Jesus just didn't experience anxiety. He he didn't. He trusted the Father, but he experienced all of our worst fears and all the all the things that we're trying to avoid or that threaten the things that we love. Jesus experienced it. Um, Jesus was hungry, and when he was tempted with with Satan, Satan said, "Hey, turn this rock into bread." And Jesus said, "Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the Father." Jesus was abandoned. A lot of us are afraid that. Um, we're going to be rejected and he, and he was and, and, and his worst moment no one showed up and he was alone and, and he took our place so that he can provide for us and care for us and um, so that even though we die we're going to live So last thing, what else can we learn from Jesus about how to counsel our own hearts and others? Um, notice that Jesus asks questions. He doesn't come demanding things from the disciples. 
disciples. I know you haven't caught fish. I know you guys kind of suck, but hey, right over there, you'll find some. No, he asks questions. Hey, children, do you have any fish? Um, then he invites them. And rather than telling Simon Peter, like, yeah, you really screwed up. He says, hey, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you love me? And then he says, okay, feed, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. And then um, and rather than saying, Peter, t- I just, we just started fresh, like, and you already, you already blew it. He says, Peter, what is it? What is it to you? You follow me. And so I think we can ask questions and actually listen. When, when we're struggling or others struggling, what are, what are the physical needs that can be met? Um, and then reminding those around us or ourselves what's true of us in Jesus. And then whenever we're looking to other people and that's causing us anxiety, we need to re- remember and remind others that might be struggling to stop looking to other people. And I think we'll find encouragement. I think we'll find hope and peace. And so to our anxious hearts this morning, um, our anxiety in Jesus, our anxiety is not attached to his provision, his acceptance, his approval, or our assurance. And he says to us, come and have breakfast. Let me pray for us. And Jesus, you are the bread. And if we eat of any other thing, we will be anxious, distraught, downtrodden, discouraged. So I ask by your spirit that you would enable us to eat from you, that we would come to you with our hunger and um, that you would satisfy us, that you would satisfy us in the morning. And we thank you that you do not hang over our heads the things we've done, but in Jesus, you forgive us. And you're making everything new. Help us to see all the good gifts you've given us. Help us to trust in, in, in you and um, help us to be friends and um, to those who are anxious by learning from you and how, how to ask questions and to listen and to meet needs and to speak the truth. Make us those people and enable us by your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.